hairdressers and barbers and salons and shops, most of us know our sales rep. And if you don't know your sales rep, then you're probably communicating with them through the internet or on text message. Perhaps you've met them. Tatiana Kaufman is a direct sales consultant with Cosmoprof for the DC metropolitan area. Last time we spoke, we learned what it just, what is it like to be a sales rep and what a day in the life is like? Well, she also mentioned that she gets a nice prox has a nice proximity to hairdressers and salon owners and shop owners around the area and it gives her insight to business and other trends. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I am your host, Robert Hughes, and today I'm back with Tatiana Kaufman, and she is going to tell us a little bit about her, give us a little bit of insight into the industry, what she sees happening, and different things when it comes to business. Tatiana, how are you doing today? I'm good. Hello, hello again. Thanks for having me on, Robert. Good Thank to be back. Thank you for coming. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so last time, and if you did, if you're watching or listening to this and you did not watch or listen to the previous episode, um, I think it's a great one to get to know Tatiana and get to know what it's like to be a sales rep because a lot of us in the industry don't know what it's like on the other end. Um, we all know what it's like to be us and communicating with the, with our sales reps. So it's a pretty good one. Also, if you're looking or interested in picking up a another career or or even maybe becoming an ambassador of product line, you want to become a sales rep, whatever it is, uh, I recommend you check that out. And um, it's pretty good. So today, we're going to talk about something you alluded to in our previous conversation is that you get you have this access and proximity, which gives you a vantage point of the business and trends. And we're going to specifically talk about trends in, in on the business side and the professional development side, not necessarily the the side of the craft so what do you uh what type of what type of things are you seeing out there oh this is a, such a ever-evolving fast-paced beauty industry of uh, every every day you learn something new you get a new perspective um and i i don't know if there's any other industry out there that that moves with such a fast pace as, as ours would you agree yeah, things move move really quickly. But you know what? The uh, there are certain haircuts that don't move quick enough, in my opinion. But that's, I guess, that's for another story. <laughs> Those are going to be the trends of this, uh, the stylists, and uh, you know, the other type of trends. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yes, I do, and I think we're also in a midst of a time when there's a lot of changes happening. COVID really sped up a lot of things that I think we're already changing. And um, so, anyway. Have you, what is, if you, like off the top of your head, what is one, um, what is one change, like say in, in a business model, communication, application of tech? So it's, uh, it's very complex and I'll try to, uh, I'll try to be as brief uh, and be, uh, as possible because this is something that we can go very deep and, and intense with. Um, uh, one of the biggest changes that I personally notice is the um, the work-life balance that is um, valued differently, in my opinion, than it was before, and even more so before uh, the pandemic. Um, that's one of the things that uh, 
and again, I just want to make a disclaimer. Everything that we'll be sharing here is not based on some kind of data or some kind of, you know, uh, research that was conducted by me. This is just solely based from my experiences and, and my communication with my customers and reading a couple of blogs. So um, I, I, I'm not an expert by any means. I don't have some kind of degree with, with it that I can, or a published book or anything like that. I'm just uh, sharing what I've experienced uh, in, my, in my career, basically, and what I'm continuing to experience. Uh, so like, like I said, one of those things is that work-life balance. We've noticing more and more that um, uh, everybody prefers to work less and have more time free. And uh, it comes as a, as a, um, a bit of a shock to, uh, to some where it can becomes as a breath of fresh air for others. And uh, I think that's uh, probably one of the, one of the biggest uh, challenges uh, that is presented because we are facing also a clash of different generations. Oh, that, yeah. that is definitely um, affects how we view and perceive not only the values, but also the ethics and, and what's important, what's not. And uh, that's something that uh, I, uh, I can't stress enough on that, you know, we need to be very aware and open to these changes um, because we can either learn from it or we can fall behind on it. Okay. So uh, do you, so work-life balance, I totally, I totally agree. I have, uh, I have been experienced to that myself personally, also in our shop. Uh, and I also think what you said about people, some people it's, it's a, a shock or surprise to, and other people, uh, they're happy to see it. You said something along those lines. Well, like I definitely have known some salon owners who are like, Dude, it's like business is opening back up and people just, they don't want to come back into working as much. You know, they, they were only, they were only, we were only able to work three days a week because of COVID spacing out the salon. And now the stylists don't want to come back more than three days a week. Uh, is that kind of what you're, you're seeing or you got any other specific examples? Well, that is, that is definitely one of those, uh, examples that I'm referring to. Um, but, uh, it's hard to single one of them in particular or uh, give you like a ABCD list of, because like I said, it's very complex. Um, what, uh, uh, what drives this change in my opinion um, is uh, that the values in different generations and the, uh, the way that we approach uh, work relationship are different. Um, you know, if you look, uh, if I look back at my parents, for example, uh, the work ethic was, um, you know, if I want to get from point A to point B, I have to work, 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 and get to the point B. Usually that's a lot of, you know, uh, putting in a lot of hours. That's a lot of, uh, you know, having to prove somebody something before you can get leveled up in the way, uh, versus, um, I, the values of, I want to enjoy what I do. I don't necessarily want to have a uh, label of being, you know, um, whatever. Uh, I'm okay with doing what I'm doing, but I want to be happy. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that this person is going to work less or doesn't want to work. 
it boils down to understanding, okay, what is this person's values? And is this person's values match my business values? And maybe we are not the right fit, but maybe we are a right fit, but we're just doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that, in that uh, I mean, everybody wants to work uh, smarter, not harder, right? But again, going back to my parents' generation, and the only way to, to get somewhere on a career ladder, you have to put in the hours, put in the time. And then you can, in a way, level up. But th that affects also, you know, a lot of other things in your personal life, or maybe, you know, you are not having enough time to recover from working that, that many hours, or you don't spend enough time with your family. And as me, you know, looking at my parents and as growing up, not seeing them as much because they were working all the time and, you know, spending time with my grandparents, I understand that. However, do I want to do the same thing as my parents did? So uh, to bring it back to like a salon industry, let's say, you know, you have um, a salon owner that started in the, as an apprentice at the salon and for, uh, for them to um, get to, let's say, you know, a stylist on the floor, they had to do this many hours, they had to produce this many repeat customers, they had to produce this much in retail sales, uh, on all these things, but they had to do the way that they were taught, right? So this is what expected from them. So they follow this ladder to do that. And then let's say, you know, years go by, uh, the stylist decides to open up their own business, they will put the model in the same way that they were trained on. Because that's the that's what you do. You share what how you were taught, and that's where that clash of generation happens. When the newer generation is looking at the work life balance differently, they look at at this. I want to be happy where I work, and I maybe don't want to work five days a week, but I still want to have the same opportunity to get to that point. But nobody is showing me the ways how to get there, or. Uh, trying to tell me to do things the other way and they just don't sit right with me so those are one of these big things that i invite everybody to uh look at and to kind of evaluate is uh we can be doing things that we did when my parents were doing what they were doing but to be open to some changes i'm not saying that emerging you to go and totally change the way you run your stuff absolutely not this is not the message that i'm saying it's being open to the changes that are happening and being open to understanding that maybe we can't put the same program in place as we attended yeah i think uh i think you're touch you're touching on something that i like to talk about a lot on this channel on this show and and uh and is actually one of the inspirations for why i started this was there is definitely a gap between the business model that is being run by current salon owners who came up through a, cer a certain system, set of certain expectations, and then they're putting those same expectations on their new hires, but their new hires are completely different generation with different expectations. So I am curious. So do you think that the this younger generation newer generation of 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 stylists rising stylist uh or just this new it's not because it's, it's the generational but it's also it also seems to me like like um um uh, like covid kind of changed it also so so 
have you seen that that's been a case too? Like there are some, some people that are not uh, a Gen Z or not a millennial, maybe a Gen Xer who have that desire for more focus on work-life balance, or do you think it's specifically, uh, specifically within generations? Um, it's not necessarily specific to generations. It's just more obvious in certain okay. generations. Okay. Um, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, what, what COVID, uh, I mean, COVID threw a wrench into a lot of things and everything. Um, but one thing that COVID did show us that we, um, we're going to be okay. And the, the time spent with uh, family and, and downtime uh, spend well is important. Uh, that, uh, you know, that... <laughs> The, the drive, a potential drive to uh, more, more, more is not always the answer to all the questions. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where um, I started getting a lot of questions uh, that I started asking everybody, um, oh, why, why are you where you're at? Uh, it's not about tell me your journey, how you ended up here. It's more of okay, we just survived this pandemic. Now we're here. How are we going to move forward? Why are we here? And what is your vision now? How, how what's, what's our, let's figure out our whys basically. So if you're after pandemic, let's say you've been in the industry for a very long time and uh, you catch yourself that, you know, maybe not a lot of your stylists had returned. Um, he, this is where it gets a little bit tricky because um, I can categorize it in different models and give a little bit of a, um, uh, my, uh, in the way, insight on different categories. Okay. Um, or, or just generalize it. So basically if I wanted to generalize it is, you know, let's say you're a salon owner that you've been doing really, really well. And after pandemic, things did not go so well. Now you don't have uh, all your stylists returning um, or whatever changes have happened. And there's a lot of fear and panic. What are we going to do? Because you're still trying to do the, the, the old, like what you've done before. And it's like, okay, why are you trying to do things that they were like they were before? Um, this is the opportunity to, to reinvent and, and or figure out other ways because this is, things are different. They're not gonna be the same and try to do things that they, how they were before pandemic. It's gonna be basically very, very difficult. It's going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I, I hope that answers your question a little bit. Because yeah, I, yeah. I'm curious to know though, you said other different business models and, and being more specific and categorizing them. What do you, uh, what did you mean by that? So as you know, we are seeing uh, a big trend in the, becoming an independent stylist, whether yeah. you're going into your salon suite, whether you're um, uh, just being part of a team, but you're still being in, in a way like independent contractor, um, or you're still running your business as a commission, or you're, you switched it to the contractor. Uh, all of these models can be successful there is no better model or worse. Uh, it's just if this model is right for you. And if Mary is doing something and she's doing good at something, doesn't mean that if you repeat the same thing, you're going to be successful. And that's one of these big things that I'm trying to um, 
even myself get a grasp on just uh, because industry is changing, it doesn't mean that we were just removing one model completely from another. Everything can be tweaked and all of them have uh, an opportunity to be very successful. But this is where you need to look, to take a step back and ask yourself a lot of questions. So for example, um, a lot of stylists like you know are drawn to be uh, independent my first question to them is why do you want to be independent what drives you to be independent figuring out these factors of um why what what's the reason behind you choosing to be independent um if you are um, uh, a, a salon owner and you um, are running a commission salon, uh, which is a very difficult thing to do. Um, and there is a lot of fear, oh, what if my stylists will go and start their own businesses? Um, that's the question, again, that I would like, why are you afraid of them leaving? Why are you um, concerned about the, the, your business? So there's a lot of questions that are underlying and it's like peeling the onion because like I said, all of these models are successful and I'm a big supporter of commission salons uh, because there's a lot of um, value there. There's a lot of things that um, independent stylists cannot get if they're not part of the salon. Um, but again, it stems from what are your motivating factors to do what you decide to do? And uh, the successful stories are uh, of, on both, uh, in both categories are based on understanding what are your values as a stylist or salon owner and what is the vision that you have for your business. Because once you have that vision, it's easy to go backwards from it. And if a system could be put in place and the, and the plan can be written up, but just because somebody jumped on opportunity and they became successful it doesn't mean that if you jump on this opportunity you're also going to be successful you might be i'm not saying you won't but those are like good questions to ask yourself and um there is no good thing or bad thing or um if you do this this is good but if you do this is bad right. it's more of the um is this going to fit you to work well with what where you're at, or it's uh -huh. not going to work well with you, where you're sitting at? So, have you seen any uh, any salons close during COVID? Um, yes, I did. Um, like permanently close. Uh, yes. Um, in my experience with some of the salons that I know, or whether they're my client or not, that just I, I'm familiar with, um, the closure of a salon was either a uh, financial necessity or it was simply, you know what, I'm just going to be done with this business uh, yeah, now. I, totally. I, I, I've put in the time, I've put in the effort. I want to go and enjoy my life. And mm. uh, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm closing it. Did you see a lot of stylists? Did you personally see a lot of salons that their stylists went to be independent? I have a couple examples. Mm -hmm. But not a lot, not like a majority? 
Uh, it's not a vast majority. Um, yeah. I do have quite. Uh, I actually during the um, uh, during the pandemic, uh, I became uh, friends with a lot of stylists who were just uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do. And they reached out to me, and we had a lot of awesome conversations because there's a lot of fear and panic. Or oh, what are we going to yeah. do? Are we going to go back or I'm afraid to go back? What do I do? What do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, some went out of a necessity to provide for, for themselves because they knew if they're going to be working in a larger salon, their clients might not be comfortable coming in there. Yeah, so it's not necessarily a reason of, oh, because I wasn't happy where I was at. Yeah, yeah totally. More, more of a necessity is of, of providing to their customers. Do you think any, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Do you think any of those independent stylists that are pe- stylists who went independent, do you think do you think that they'll go back to wanting to work at a salon after a while uh, once they realize how much work it is to run your own place or when they realize that they're missing out on some of the value being in a salon like you were talking about? Tricky question over here. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, a, that is a, a big a, question that I have in my head. It's a, it's a tricky question. And I'll tell you why. Um, because again, it boils down to uh, why they went independent in the first place. Right. Um, if a stylist that went independent uh, for a reasons of personal uh, growth, of owning their own business, of being in charge of their business, and understanding everything that comes with running your own business, uh, they probably will not return to the salon. Uh, if the stylist went out of the reasons of a necessity to accommodate their customers somewhere because they just want to be a stylist, they just want to do an awesome hair, and they just love doing that. Um, again, it's hard for me to 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 predict or say, but um, I know that uh, with that kind of reasoning, uh, you missing out on a uh, that support. Uh, uh, aspect of being in the salon of uh, having your uh, fellow co-worker there that you can you know eat lunch with in the break room or mm-hmm. uh, things like that so again when I'm looking at this um, independent versus salon uh, business model I invite everybody to ask themselves is this the right move for me because there's nothing wrong or nothing bad in it is just is it going to be a good fit for you so how about do you did you see any salon commission salon switch to a rental model not a lot actually not a lot Mm-mm. yeah no, not a lot. i was uh, curious about that i've heard of some some made that decision but i didn't know if you saw that uh not not in my experience that i could uh, affirmatively answer yes or no on there's a lot of curiosity about what if I do this? Mm. What if, how is it going to look for me if I do this? Right. There are some instances where we're seeing the collaborative environment. Tell us about um, that. Have you, tell us about some examples, uh, concepts, concepts, like maybe someone is listening or watching this right now who's a salon owner who's thinking about uh, maybe they have that question and maybe they want to make a change, or maybe it's somebody who's aspiring salon owner, who's thinking they want to do something different. They don't want to do, they don't want to do a rental or commission salon. What it, tell us a little bit about like some examples of things that you've seen. 
this is definitely very new uh, concept in the United States. I feel like it's a little bit more developed in Europe. Uh, but again, it's uh, it's based on my personal curiosity. Um, it's not backed by you know anything. It's just I'm I'm curious about stuff and I dig it up and I read up about it and um, and then I just ask questions uh, about, about it. Um, so basically, the um, the collaborative environment uh, in the salon uh, looks something along the lines of we all have uh, an opinion, we all want to be valued here, and we also want to have some kind of financial uh, reimbursement for our uh, time put in, which again can be extremely tricky or can be extremely awesome. It's just based on um, setting up that proper uh, layout for how you want to run your business. Because, uh, you know, if in the ideal world, let's say, you know, uh, four of your friends came together, everybody put in the same amount of money, then you have four uh, basically owners, and then you guys can decide how you want to run your business. Um, with that also comes with a lot of other stuff that, you know, oh, but I don't want this, I don't want that, too many chefs in the kitchen. So it's like, who makes these decisions? In a collaborative environment, um, you still have somebody in charge. It's not necessarily that everybody can pitch in and just uh, say, well, I want it my way because I, you know, uh, this is my contribution to it or things like that. It's more of um, the collaboration comes in that partnership uh, of uh, inspiration, sharing ideas, having uh having the this like-minded people with you uh but it doesn't always mean that the, somebody has to be financially invested in order to to be valued or for their opinions to matter it just means that they are accepting the values that are positioned here and they know when they are bringing something up to the table um it will not be turned down because they don't own the business if that makes so, any sense uh yeah but it's also kind of sounds a little bit like a salon where the owner values their their employees or or a rental i mean how how is the actual business different have you seen any examples of how um, the actual how the actual business model is different um, I, uh, based on what I've researched about the collaborative environment, there's a great example of that. Uh, it's called Hunter Collective, um, and it's based out of UK. Um, their uh, their model uh, still has rules and regulations in place, but it's more based on how much uh, how much time you're putting in in this. Uh, collaboration so you basically uh if i remember correctly they are based on uh some kind of like a membership uh uh, uh basis so uh you um you work based on what your membership uh defines um but then we offer all of these things that you can benefit from being part of this collaborative environment so and are they are they independent do they make their money based on is their income based on their the revenue they bring in or do they get a piece of the pie of the whole collab uh the whole thing or are they a salary employee or so basically they are in charge of their own business within the uh this business model mm -hmm. uh and uh they charge what they want to charge they um engage with clients 
on their terms within what uh, parameters set up in their membership. Gotcha. So they are in a way independent business owners, but they follow the agreement of the okay. and they of, pay per and they and they give access. I think I saw them. I think it I think yeah, it's kind of like you pay per hour that you're gonna be there, something yep. like that. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Have you seen anything like that in the in your uh, territory? Uh, I had not. Uh, I think that this concept can be a little bit scary for uh, for some stylists. Um, again, like with the entire uh, independent versus, uh, you know, commission salon, uh, you know, it's totally, it's totally different being a stylist that just comes in, does hair and leaves, you know, and then gets their paycheck versus I'm going to be independent and now I'm in charge of my business. Yeah. Because here's where, here's where the question comes in. Are you trying to be independent just to do hair and enjoy what you're doing and that's it? Or are you running your own business? Right. And that's something that, um, again, I, there is no good or bad. That's not like, oh, you're doing this wrong if you do it this way, or you're doing this right if you're doing this way. It, it has no uh, like judgment on that. It's more of when you decide to go and be independent, how do you envision your work now moving forward? Is it going to be just, okay, I have my chair and I'm just going to take my clients. I will come in as I go. Or are we running a business? Because I look at every stylist and every salon as a business. So whether you are a small business, just one person, or you're a two people business, or you are a full salon business, or you are, uh, doesn't matter what model you are a business. So um, are we running it as a business or are we just having a fun place for everybody to come hang out, do hair because we love doing hair? Right. There's nothing wrong in either of those. It's just, what is it that you want out of it? So how about, um, what other type of, uh, things have you seen? Um, like how about the way people are charging, um, uh, the way people are communicating with their customers or, any other type of changes other than, you know, big, big mo business model changes, maybe stuff that has happened, changes that you're seeing happening within the salons? Oh, absolutely. A um, couple of things that I'm seeing, and I actually like really, really uh, enjoy watching that development is um, digitalizing a lot of uh, check-in, in, checking out booking processes. Um, I think it gives a little bit more transparency on uh, uh, booking it properly according to the stylist uh, time. And uh, there is no more, let, let's squeeze somebody in because it comes down to that, uh, that value concept. We value our customers. So we want to give them uh, our time and attention. And stylists don't want to squeeze anybody in at this point. Uh, and I don't think the client wants to, be feel, to, to feel like, oh, somebody else is going to be squeezed in. It's like, I'm here. I want, to, I want you to take, pay attention to me. Um, and, and I think that the online booking system allows that when the stylist can determine uh, how much roughly, uh, uh, how much time does it require for them to do a particular service, then you create these windows. And when you go online, you uh, see these windows. It's kind of like going on an open table and reserving, your, um, you know, a uh, two top versus, you know, a eight people party. Uh, it gives you an availability based on available table. So there's no, no surprises. So if the stylist can, you know, um, 
figure out basically what is their time frame is going to be easier for their clients to book it. Um, the other thing that I've noticed, which I also love the most uh, about this beautiful change, consultations. There are more and more consultations. Again, well, that's, that's good the, to hear. That's again where this uh, uh, time is uh, an attention. That's where we are seeing that value rise up. Um, nice. Stylists don't want surprises. And I'm seeing more of, uh, okay, let's book a consultation. It could be a FaceTime consultation. It could be a virtual consultation. It could be, oh, you can just send me some pictures and inspirations from like where you're coming, what you want to get. So then there is, so we book it properly that we give you ample time to do your service so you don't feel rushed because we want to take care of you here. And consultations have been something scary for um, a lot of stylists. And I know that it's a challenging conversation to have, but it's such a crucial part of that full circle of service. And uh, I strongly invite all the, especially the newer stylists, not to be afraid to do consultations. That's where, that's where you can, um, that's where you can blueprint your appointment and know and prepare properly for it and give it enough time and know what you need to be working with. Um, especially if you are an independent stylist, because, uh, if you are renting a studio, you, chances are, you don't have a full, um, uh, product portfolio like a big salon would so you want to prepare for this appointment properly and I think that's where that change is happening also the consultation become a little bit more of a norm which yeah. I love to see awesome uh so before we uh, wrap up I wanted to uh, just jump back to a point that we were talking about earlier and that is the stylist wanting to are uh, sorry work-life balance being more on the mind of people and stylists not necessarily wanting to work as much or work in on more on their own terms and salon owners, you know, figuring out and how some salon owners might be caught off guard by this change, especially as they're kind of coming back, opening up their businesses. Do you think that, and then also there being like this generational effect of people wanting to younger people wanting to work differently do you think that oh let me rephrase i've been finding out through my conversations with people that that and going to the schools and talking to the students it's less that they don't want to work and more that they want a clearly defined like not maybe not daily maybe not weekly but monthly path to get from point A to point B. They want it put on paper and they want to be able to like check in on a regular basis and being like told what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. They want to be coached and, 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 and taken care of. And like, they want to know that they're going to be somewhere where people's going to make an invested interest in them. And I talk to salon owners and they're like, well, I do that, but I tell them. And then but then the reality is they get lost in their day to day and then time will go by. And the young person is like, look, they haven't even like pulled me aside and talked to me. Or every time I try to have a meeting with them, you know, they don't want to have meetings. Like, you know, I work at a salon with uh, the stylist. It's like kind of a challenge to get, have a meeting on a regular basis. They feel like, Oh, this is, we don't really need a meeting that often. And uh, 
So have you, how do you, how, what would you say on that, that whole topic? One is like, I feel like this, the younger stylists, they, they will work more if you outline a path. And I feel like that kind of speaks to what you said earlier about like, as a business owner, decide what business model is right for you. If you're going to have a commission-based salon, you know, I think maybe you should take the time to write out that pathway to adapt. And then that way, you know exactly how much they're going to work, work and and if people are going to work three days a week, they're only going to work three days a week. And then that means you fill those other days up with other stylists. So um, I don't know if you, how you feel about that. You know, would you like to speak to that a little bit? Do you agree, disagree, have a different perspective? Sure. Uh, what you said about, you know, uh, uh, how, the business model, if it's right for you, that's a crucial element in this, in my opinion. Uh, and here's why. Um if as a salon owner, uh, you know, again, I invite you to ask yourself, why are you a salon owner? Are you a salon owner so you can have a full control and work seven days behind the chair doing hair? Or is there other reason why are you a salon owner? Um, in my uh, journey with being a sales consultant uh, and speaking to a lot of salon owners, their ultimate goal of opening the business is to not be behind the chair seven days a week. They want to be behind the chair less days a week. Now, why do some salon owners end up being behind the chairs uh, seven days a week? Because they're turning down clients because they don't have enough staff to work for them. So they don't want to turn down clients because that's just a ripple effect. This is what we're dealing with. Now, there is nothing wrong of being a salon owner that is behind the chair seven days a week if that's what you like to do. If this is what brings you joy and you love doing hair and you absolutely enjoy every aspect of it, absolutely work as much as you want. But I know one thing that we can't do it all by ourselves. And as much as we try, it's something will fall through the cracks. And this is where... Uh, a salon owner needs to accept the fact that maybe some of the things have to be delegated. Maybe some of the things have to be um, uh, changed up. Because again, if you as a salon owner want to create an environment for everybody just to come in, do their thing, and you're not really looking at your business as a business, you're looking at like, I provided this environment because I still work behind the chair. So whatever really happening in the salon, I just want to make sure that everybody's happy. That's fantastic. That's a different conversation. If you're looking at the uh, business that you're in and you don't want to be behind the chair seven days a week because you're tired or you feel like I would love to build some new talent within my salon or I would like to bring in, I would, I would like to be a place where people can be uh, growing and be motivated. Then you ultimately have to think about if I am behind the chair, let's say seven days a week, when am I going to be able to do all of these other things? So um, I am a big believer in um, setting up systems. It doesn't have to be scary, big systems. It can be small systems that uh, everybody kind of knows uh, where their place is and what is expected of them and how are they going to be held accountable. I strongly invite all the salon owners to have your um, 
handbook that uh, describes your values of your company, that describes your uh, training protocol in, in, in your handbook, uh, that, that describes your uh, potential of, uh, of growth in your salon, in the way why should they work with you and not some, somewhere else. As we wrap up here, do you have any uh, advice um, for a salon owner, a rising stylist before we wrap it up? Um, I guess the advice that I would like to share is um, to turn a mirror on yourself and ask yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you want to be a stylist? And do you, or why do you want to be a business owner? And are you willing to do what it takes to, to do the work? Because that way you can hold yourself accountable. That's your personal accountability checklist point. Uh, and if, and if you're not happy with the answers that you provided, or let's say, you know, you, you ask yourself these questions and you're like, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Then there'll be different ways that we can approach the situation that you can approach the situation. But if you can affirmatively answer all these questions to yourself, then you can hold yourself accountable for the path that you're going to create for yourself. Um, but if you're in it just just a little bit, like if you're just toes in it and everything else is not really, um, you're not going to find yourself putting that effort or understanding that some things will take time to, to change, uh, you know, then, then maybe, um, maybe you just need to figure out something else. Uh, and I'm not saying in the industry, uh, but I'm just saying maybe be, be prepared, be prepared to, to, to take what comes with it. And it doesn't have to be ugly. It doesn't have to be bad. It can be all beautiful and amazing. But the only person that we can hold responsible for certain actions is ourselves. So whether you're a salon owner or you're just a stylist, just ask yourself, what is it that, what is it that you want? How do you see it for yourself? And are you willing to put in the work? All right. That's good. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, some of this uh, information can be, uh, you know, uh, useful. And again, uh, everything that I shared is just based on my personal opinion. Um, so yeah, well, that's why we had you on the show. Um, so if you're listening on podcast, please, uh, give us a rating five stars is preferable and, uh, follow us. If you're watching on YouTube or Instagram, give us five stars, give us, drop a comment, hit subscribe, ring the bell, follow us. It all helps support the channel. It doesn't cost you anything. And I appreciate you until next time. Thank you again, Tatiana. Thank you. All right.